This evening I'd like to continue the reading of Nanyar, Who Am I? Actually, the literal translation is I Who. I would prefer that somehow uh, because uh, I think it reveals the the initial uh, root uh, of the question that appears as the the proto-state of the ego. So I'd like to, as a preamble, before I begin the uh, reading the text, to go over again the, how I understand the metaphysical uh, descent from self to ego through several intermediary phases and then, of course, culminating at the level of the person, <clears throat> which is even a, a quantum fall uh, further into illusion. <clears throat> and so we can say that the, the self in its absolute, timeless, eternal purity of being is a hum-a-hum. Of course, we're using that as a symbolic formula which is never formulated. There, this is prior to words, prior to concepts. This is pure being. I would even say prior to consciousness. Pure being. Why? Because the I am I uh, resolves or, or let's say is transcendent of, of a certain question which arises once the, the word, once the words, once the real of, uh, of, of the self morphs into, into words, into symbolic language. And the word am, or, or to be as the infinitive, can be either used as a transitive verb or an intransitive verb. Okay, so... Uh, that, that question is resolved because I am I is both transitive and intransitive. You could say, I am what? I am I. That's a transitive use of the verb. But because the, the apparent object I is exactly the subject I, in a way they neutralize each other so that there is neither subject nor object, and therefore the amness is, is transcendent of the possibility of becoming used transitively. It is an amnes that never changes. It's timeless. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's pure being that, that never changes, never moves, never differs from itself. And because the I has no symbolic content, it cannot uh, ever move into a self-representation. And thus this is, this is that level of being that never uh, morphs into becoming. Once, once then there is a shift from I am I to I am, we can say that the I am is still in the real, but now it's an unstable form of the real because the, the am now can be either transitive or intransitive. It's no longer locked into 
the object that maintains itself beyond beyond the logic of grammar. Now it, it comes into the jurisdiction of the logos. In a way, it creates the possibility of logos. And because of the instability of the, the significance of I am, the potentialities of consciousness, of awareness, let's say, chit, actually. We've moved from the sat-chit-ananda as a single whole because the, the second eye is really the sat. The first, we, we could say, is the chit. And, and the am is, is that, uh, that, that eternal presence that is bliss, infinite happiness, because of its very nature as, as transcendent ultimate reality but now we move into the activation of the potentialities of chit which is intelligence and of course the first capacity for intelligence is abstract thought and and so the I am morphs into a representation of itself that is at least the, the symbolic matrix out of which language as we know it emerges. We could say it's the symbolic logic that is the infrastructure of language upon which language is built. And at that point, all of the potential elaborations of, of language and of intelligence come into being and now there the transitive potency of the amness uh, turns into the question i am who and i am what and i am where and when and how and why all of those then become activated uh, potencies that demand answers within the the consciousness now that is discovering itself in the form of its own representation, which now gives it a distance from its own real nature to reflect upon symbolically. But because the symbolic has now uh, entered a, a, the plane of representation, a self-created plane that didn't exist before, it has lost its essence. It's lost the ananda and the sat. It is now the chit itself, which is the intelligence that's now activated in order to discover the answers to these questions that can no longer be satisfied by the real. And so the symbolic level of or register of consciousness emits a further uh, descending level, which is the imaginary register of consciousness. And in the imaginary register, a concrete answer to all of those questions is given to itself. And that uh, is projected and externalized as its world. And the world is the context in which it then appears as a character in this world dream as a bodily being. But that bodily being then is no longer even conscious of the fact that this world is the result of the projection of, of a context that answers these initial questions that are, are, are still at the very subtle, we could say, soul level of, of, the, uh, of the ego. And now the ego, at a more concrete and gross level, uh, morphs into a person who is clueless and who takes its, uh, its own mental projections of names and forms 
that are imaginarized into beings, into objects, into other persons, into uh, the cosmos, into a planet, into nature. The whole Mahasutratma is there as the ultimate context. And then the, uh, the vast ecosystem of nature as its, uh, its immediate uh, environment. And then, of course, its, uh, its birth into a family, into a social role, into all of that. Uh, and, and the development, which is predestined by what is called the Sanchita Karma, the reservoir or store of unexhausted karma from previous emanations of dreams. Now, we could say in the origin of a cycle, uh, a, a new Sat Yuga, there wouldn't be any karma. And so the pure reflection of the Mahasutratma in its pristine form as a reflection of, of Chit and ultimately of Sat Chit Ananda would come through uninflected by any karma. And so we get a world that is literally a paradise, a kingdom of heaven, etc. But with each pre, uh, successive dream or reiteration of, uh, of, of world, the uh, additional karma enters in and the inflection of that world becomes more and more impure, lifetime after lifetime, as the person begins to lose touch with the chit and the knot of the chit jada granti that we've talked about, the jada aspect, that of the body, and the body's gradual uh, uh, d- delivery or, or, uh, or, or uh, let's say, intensification of an egoic uh, sense of desire for the gratification of the sensual world. That isn't there in the beginning when one is filled with the shakti and the innocence and the purity of being that is just uh, imaginarized itself from the absolute is now uh, lost and there is more and more of a, a sense of the density of the world and the body and more and more of a sense of uh, the inadequacy, the lack, the, the neediness, the demand, fears that come based on previous uh, karmic, let's say, transgressions that have gradually accumulated and... Uh, uh, other uh, actions that have created the need for balancing consequences. In other words, the karma of the sanchita that arises in each life as prarabdha karma, the life, the, the the karma that will predetermine the destiny of that life dream, will now be what is being reaped from what was sown in the previous iterations of one's. Uh, dream worlds, okay? So now at the end of Kali Yuga, we are reaping the whirlwind of all the unsettled karma. And so now we have a world that is dying that we, we are having to deal with. And so, but that world is a world, uh, again, of our own uh, necessary creation because in previous iterations of our dream life as persons, we created karma that now requires uh, that consequence so that we learn. It's a benevolent 
opportunity to learn from our mistakes that can no longer be denied, even though, as we saw from the film last night, people are still trying to deny it and and claiming there's hope. But we know better, and soon that denial will will not be able to be maintained, and uh, and people will have to face uh, the um, the mortality of the world as well as the individuals, but also then to seek another resolution to this the question that will arise of how can God allow this and you know uh, what is to be done. And the only answer that will remain will be for us to realize uh, the truth about our consciousness and to retrace our steps back to our original nature, which then will have the capacity to redream the dream in its most beautiful uh, potentiality again and, and for transcendence of the dream and even for realization that the dream never even happened because all it is is an imaginary thought that is emitted by this unmoving, unchanging self who's not even aware of that. Not, doesn't, it's, it's not even relevant. It's simply uh, you know, a, a passing, uh, timeless thought that pops and dissolves. So uh, the, uh, the, the truth about our nature will be realized at deeper and deeper levels by those beings who are awakened and who, uh, whose karma and whose free will are in alignment to rediscover our full true nature and achieve fully, fully the liberation from the illusion once and for all. Not everyone will apply their free will toward that end. But everyone equally has the freedom to will to, to achieve liberation from the dream. Okay? That, that won't change the karma of the dream and the destiny that has to happen to the body. But the, since you're not the body, once that recognition is clear and consistent... The, the karma of the body no longer touches one. There's no suffering and there's no distraction. And the bliss is there even in the midst of suffering, as it was for Sri Ramana, even when his body had cancer and was in obvious pain, his bliss did not get touched or affected by it because there was no uh, relationship or uh, identification with the body at all. So we will be able to get to that state where there is no difference between life and death and the self that's beyond both will, will be sustained as our true being and, uh, and there will be a, a very smooth, blissful uh, transition from one cycle into a new one or a transcendence of all into the eternal, luminous, shining light that is, in fact, the substratum uh, of this apparent world and the realization that all this world is made of is the supernal light and the bodies are just flickering forms of light within this holographic movie. But we, we are not what appears. We are that which enables the appearance but is also beyond and unaffected by what appears. Okay. So uh, the, 
the uh, the karma of the world is, although in disguise, the ultimate blessing. And that's the case for each of us. And to the extent that we accept without resistance and without fear the destiny of the body and use our free will to detach from any identification with the body, the more that the free will applied to Atma Vichara as our only uh, karma-free action will, will bring that highest power of, of luminosity which will bring good karma, which will settle the karma and the, eliminate the suffering even in the midst of apparent events that might not look so good from a third-person perspective but will be completely already recognized and felt as unreal and uh, uh, no longer pertaining to one's self. Okay, is that helpful to people? So the Sanchita karma is the, the reservoir, we could say, of sanskaras that must be activated to rebalance and settle the accounts, we could say, thinking of, of karma as a kind of accountant's uh, ledger of, uh, of what has to happen, the give and take, what is owed, what we are obligated to repay to others whom we may have harmed or transgressed in some way, and to nature and to, uh, uh, to our relationship with God, etc. And also uh, the, uh, the opportunity to learn from and to grow from and to uh, return to the humility and the purity that will enable the full realization of the self to be attained. So there, the, the Sanchita leads to the Prarabdha, but we are born into circumstances of ignorance. We're still deeply in, in ignorance as we enter into life and proceed. And so we're also making more karma. That's the agamya karma. There are three kinds of karma. And what we want to make sure is once we have awakened to this reality of karmic law at the level of the phenomenal plane, we do not want to create any more bad karma. So once we understand that karma operates at a very subtle level and that everyone you are involved with, everyone you encounter... Everyone you meet in, in, the, in your world is nothing but a manifestation of a part of yourself. And a part of yourself with certain traits and, uh, and, and proclivities and ways of, of behaving that have been your own in previous lives. And, and so if you can love everyone and, and respect and honor them as manifestations of the one consciousness that all of this is and all of us are, we can resolve the karma. But to whatever extent we get angry at another person or judgmental or project that the other is a fool or evil or, or has malignant intentions or whatever the projection is, the more bad karma we are creating and the more suffering for ourselves that we're going to reap and the more that the shell of ignorance will remain dense because we have used our free will to choose to believe in our projections 
instead of withdrawing them and returning love to the other, regardless of how we're treated, without paranoia, without uh, all of the ego's attempt to dominate and control and all of the ways the ego creates more bad karma for itself. So the more we act with the purity, humility, and, and loving kindness that is uh, a, a way of allowing our true nature to enter into the world, the more we're settling that karma and uh, preventing the need for a, uh, a return, uh, a backlash of the what goes around comes around variety. And that will enable us to much more easily, smoothly and, uh, and blissfully uh, separate from the dream and, and enter into the level of the dreamer and the pure awareness and uh, that awareness then returning to ultimate presence and being. Okay, so that's the, the situation we find ourselves in and the root out of, of suffering. Any questions about that? Is that clear to people? Yes, the, the, at the level of the person, right, which is one step below that of the actual ego, uh, but the person that appears uh, is put into a context in every life that in, in which in the most benevolent way possible uh, for, uh, for its, um, let's say, release from the dungeon uh, of suffering, but it will have to face suffering, but, but it will be minimized to whatever extent, let's say, the God self can make that possible for us, but without violating the law of karma, because everything has to be paid off. But it will be done in such a way that we'll be able to learn from it in order to not make that mistake again and to be able to liberate ourselves from that false level of consciousness. Okay, So if you take everything as a blessing and learn from it and not want to repeat it and not get angry at it or not hate God for putting you into a bad family system and traumatic situations, if you recognize this had to happen because of your own prior actions and you can't blame anyone but yourself and now you want to be free, then you will, you will respond with humility and, and, and love and acceptance without resistance and then you'll get out of the trap. The more you resist, the deeper you go into pain and suffering. So, one, But one will, will be able to recognize that. And the more that one wises up and the, the, the booty reaches that level of viveka that it can discern that it is the author of its own suffering and that the way out is, to, is love and forgiveness and mercy and acceptance, then the sooner one is free from suffering. Okay? All right. 
Shane, I do have a question. I'm just yeah. not sure exactly how to formulate it, but it's sort of about like the free will predetermination thing. Mm -hmm. Like the um, it seems from a subjective position that one can like choose. Okay, I'm in this pattern of suffering. I can I can choose not to follow mm -hmm. it. Yeah. But what what is that? Who is deciding in that moment? Like what's what's going on, and how is that brought about by previous karma? Like, like that one has learned that lesson, or that one where is that margin that one has the capacity to not have to suffer that same pattern again? Or mm -hmm. okay, remember <clears throat> the ego in its structure is chit jada granti. There's a knot between the chit and the jada, the insentient body. And uh, the, uh, the person is much more in the identification with the jada. But there's always a little chit there, even though it's covered with the ignorance, but it's there. So the more that one becomes self-reflective, the more that one leaves the imaginary level of real one and, uh, and begins to reflect symbolically and, and then in a more meditative way, empathically and, uh, uh, let's say, uh, intuitively from the place of chit, the more it can understand why it's suffering and deconstruct the, the personal level of the ego and, uh, and, and get to a deeper level of the soul in which it's recognizing that it is in a dream and, and everyone in its dream that is now externalized is itself and, and the only way to resolve conflicts that are internal to consciousness and therefore in the world is through acceptance and unification, integration of all of these dissociated nodes of, of, of identity or personality that become other beings in one's life and bring that back into a whole presence that recognizes the oneness of consciousness. And then the apparent separation of beings will literally be no longer perceived and one will perceive the oneness and the presence of the self in everyone. And then the relationships will change because they'll be one of honoring and recognition and the namaste will become authentic. You see, and then the the karma between beings ends. Okay, so that margin of the 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 person that is the booty, which is linked to the chit, as it reaches viveka and is clear of the maya of the lower three chakras, it awakens to oh, I get it. I this is my fault. I'm doing this. All I have to do is will to be free and to realize the self, and I don't suffer. Now that doesn't change the destiny. Okay. But, but so we have to understand free will is in one domain, destiny is in another. Uh, I, can be, I can be in poverty and I can therefore uh, have, use my free will to want to make a lot of money. Now, if it's my destiny to remain in poverty that whole life, nothing will work. Every attempt to make money will fail. All right. Uh, but I can also say, okay, I accept being in poverty. Why don't I just become a renunciate and, and live in a cave or an ashram or do something else and get out of the capitalist system? And then it's a blessing. You know, poverty is not a bad thing. So you shift your values. This is the transvaluation. And then suddenly poverty is a blessing. Hey, I don't, I don't need to have a mortgage. I don't have to take care of all of this and that. I'm free. 
So, uh, so with everything like that, the domain of, of, uh, of destiny doesn't determine how you use your free will to respond to it. And the more you respond at higher levels of intelligence, the less you're affected by it. Okay? Mm-hmm. Sorry. So whenever you say, um, often you're the dreamer of your own dream, mm-hmm. is that kind of the level you're referring to? Or yeah, like that's right. Your destiny is what it's how you... That's right. I don't know how to interpret that. What do you mean when you say that? What do I mean by, by what? What do you mean when you say that you're the dreamer of your own dream? Well, it, it, when you realize that the world is a dream... It's your dream, isn't it? Right? It's not anyone else's dream. Nobody dreamt this for you. But I guess I mean, like, like I can't change the destiny or something. Well, it doesn't matter. But you can use your free will to change your relationship to the destiny of the body. Because the destiny of the body is not your destiny. Your destiny is determined by your free will. Do I realize I am God and the self who is not touched by the destiny of the body? Or do I stay identified with the body and then be in suffering and anger and misery and all the false beliefs that the person has about itself? That's the real choice that determines the the destiny of your beingness. The destiny of the body becomes less and less relevant. Because you're out of the dream. That's what you want. It's, yes, you have to earn the right to, to change the dream. You can't do that as long as the ego is there because the ego is the root of the dream. But if you pierce through the ego level of the ignorance into the self that is free, then indeed you do become able. And that happens at the final moment at the, at the level in which the dream after the death of, of Kali Yuga is able to be redreamed. So that, that destiny of being able to achieve that may not happen for some time, but by willing it, you will get at least out of the, uh, the identification and therefore the suffering. And, and the moment that the consciousness is ripe and filled with the grace of its own beingness, because you've eliminated the distance by going beyond thought, then indeed you realize you are the ultimate dreamer and you are even beyond the level of the dreamer because the self in the IMI isn't even dreaming it and isn't, does, isn't even aware of the dream. It's in the total state of bliss beyond all worlds. So how far you get in terms of distancing from the dream is up to your free will. Okay. Yes. I'm not sure I understood when you said that everyone you meet in your dream is part of your karma. Yourself. It's a manifestation of previous states of your person in other lives. Right? So if you're angry at someone, you're angry actually at a certain way that you used to treat others. Or maybe you're still treating others and you don't see it in yourself. But you'd see it in the other and you get angry at them. You're really angry at yourself, but you can't bear to know that. And so you still demonize the other so you can feel better about yourself. But that's a false way of being and it'll produce more karma. So... In which others will see you as doing the same thing and will treat you the same way. So you don't want that. 
And so therefore, by being merciful, forgiving, recognizing the, the frailty of everyone, including oneself, the blind spots that every, every being as a person has, but that behind that is the, the blissful, eternal self, because there is nothing but the one self, then there is an ability to transcend the egoic facade on, on the part of both parties. And as you break through your projection of the other, it enables the other to break through. And then there is love, a love without desire, without uh, any other emotional attachment or negative repulsion or, or rejection, but a purity of the recognition of the oneness. Okay. So just uh, I got lost in, I know time is illusory, but when you said karma, is it karma from this one life or this one no. dream? It's from all the dreams. From all the lives of the whole cycle. Is that why this particular life is so complex? So yeah, chaotic? sure. For an old soul, the sutratma is very complex. For a, a young soul, it's not so complex, but and it's more extreme, both in what is apparent good karma, because if it's your first birth, then you become, you know, Trump. You become, you know, the, the wealthy million, billionaire, whatever he is, president, who's really bankrupt, I'm told. But you get to, to, to imagine that you're the king of the world. But, of course, you're also just a puppet, and you have no real power, and the whole thing will soon collapse, as we know, and... And there will be a disgrace and all of that. But a one-birth being, like most of the presidents recently and, and the billionaires, uh, they get it all now because they don't have a sat-yuga. So this is their sat-yuga. But it's all compressed. And then it becomes kali-yuga in the same lifetime. You know, and, and, uh, and they, they get the high and the destruction of the lowest of the low. We see that with people you know, in Costa Rica, who can win a Nobel Prize and then be disgraced, right? Or, or we see that with, with people around the world uh, who uh, seem to be heroic and then are revealed as villains, you know, and, uh, and their, uh, their reputations are destroyed. So they, they get to have the high and the low, whereas the old souls, you know, they're just kind of in the background and useless extras in the Kali Yuga spectacle, uh, but underneath it uh, have more wisdom and common sense and tend to retreat from the world and all of that chaos uh, to be able to return to the self. And that's why ashrams have to be you know, created to be able to receive such beings and help them uh, to return to self-awareness. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember you mentioned that the time is an illusion. Indeed. Uh, in this regard, how do we how do we know that the soul is an old soul or a young soul if there is no time here? Well, there is time within the dream, and the old soul has more dreams behind it. Uh, and, and therefore, although there is, uh, in a certain sense, more karma to be settled, but there is also more wisdom that has been gained. So there's been a balance of good karma and bad karma, and there tends to be an ability of resilience 
and, uh, and, and a capacity for a deeper level of reflection upon the apparent events of the world. And that reflection leads people into deeper and more meaningful lives. They won't have bu- huge influence or impact upon the world, but they will use their, uh, their life experience to grow, to learn, to manifest the epistemophilic drive uh, and turn that into the upper death drive that wants to die to the deadened uh, life of the ego and the body to the vibrant life of, of consciousness and uh, of ultimate liberation. So that, the, that very desire that's inherent in an old soul to return to a lost Sat Yuga that others don't have because they weren't there will, will open up that uh, avenue of life so that choices will be made that will lead to ever more awakening and ultimate liberation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there such a thing as resisting destiny? Of course. Most people do. Sure. That's, uh, the ego is designed to resist its destiny and to deceive you about its destiny and to project onto others uh, and, and to create the worst possible destiny. So, yeah, of course. And how do you know what is your destiny? Well, if you're, if you're angry, if you're not willing to follow the chain of command of a system that you have accepted as valid, if you're, if you're not willing to act humbly and lovingly toward others but are projecting negativity on them, if you are, are not in, in complete acceptance of your situation, if you're always in flight from, from commitment, for example, and from uh, self-commitment to your own, uh, your own true nature, if you are in denial of, uh, of what you are doing in terms of how you're relating to other people that may be harmful or violent in certain ways, um, regardless of what that is, all the forms of resistance in which you are, are acting from ego and wanting to sustain the power of your ego to dominate and control, you're in resistance uh, to your destiny. What is the destiny? Well, you discover that through acceptance. That's the whole point. Is I, I give the burden of worry about what is my destiny to God, and I accept whatever happens will be the most benevolent uh, blessing possible. And then one will be able to see the succession of events indeed from that perspective and to grow in wisdom and, and power to transcend the illusion. Would you say any action is a resistance of destiny? In thought, in, in words, and in action. All three. Any of that is a resistance of destiny? Like, any action is a resistance? No, I wouldn't say any action, but any action in which you come from an ego position and want to uh, establish a territory for the ego and to uh, control as much as possible and to dominate and to not cooperate harmoniously and humbly with others, but, uh, but to, to act from the ego's own uh, system of desire and demand without regard for the context or the whole of a community or uh, of, a, of an ecosystem and uh, ultimately the will of God. If The more that one is uh, acting only from a hardened ego shell, then the more resistance there is. 
And the more backlash, there has to be to break the shell. Mm-hmm. Question, if somebody's dealing with the outside, not somebody in the community, but more of mm-hmm. uh, a shop owner or somebody like that who doesn't treat you very well or mm-hmm. takes advantage of the situation. Yeah, doesn't matter. Same principles apply. They appeared in your life in order for you to be forgiving and loving, you know. A lot of non-yogis uh, came to Ramana's ashram, and some of them, uh, you know, made fun of him or thought he was a charlatan and wrote bad things and spread negative gossip and did all kinds of things that were attacking. Ramana was always very peaceful. Even with some thieves who came in and actually tried to beat him, you know, Ramana was forgiving and nonviolent and never, uh, never judged anyone. So uh, the more that one treats every being as a manifestation of the one God-self, then the more one clears all one's karma and one will find very kind shopkeepers and very uh, pleasant situations of commerce and interchange with the world because all of it is the one consciousness. What happens to the beings that don't awaken from the dream? They will come back into another dream at the same level of vibrational frequency that that the same storehouse of karma will require another need to appear. Maybe not until another Kali Yuga comes around, right? but whenever. And they'll have another opportunity to use their free will to graduate. So everyone gets a chance, and because time is an illusion, what difference does it make if it happens this cycle or ten cycles down the road? They're all illusory. So, but, and so that's part of the acceptance. Uh, but if there is resistance, then one meets the counter-resistance that is required by the law of karma, which is fairness and justice. So you don't get a free uh, pass. Uh, everybody's got to pass, go, and play the, the game uh, the right way through love and not through force. And, and that has to be learned sometimes the hard way. Do you just get worse? Like, does Kali Yuga get worse and worse? And decide Yuga get better and better? Well, I don't know about that, but they'll seem that way. Uh, but uh, each cycle wipes the slate clean. And so it could actually be an exact repetition, but it might be that in this dream you're you and, and I seem to be me, but maybe we reverse it. And uh, it's, it's different in the next... Uh, uh, iteration of the dream we're each a different person but it's the same exact dream and since you're really everyone anyway what difference does it make next time you might be the shopkeeper you know the, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm <really> sorry. <laughs> so uh, yeah it, it all uh, in a way is has to be irrelevant what role you're playing don't don't buy into the person. Person has nothing special about it, regardless of what status it seems to have within some pecking order or social system or whatever. Okay, I don't know if we're ever going to get to the text. Uh, we may have been lost in a preamble tonight, but well, okay, time is an illusion. We'll do it next time, and we'll get there. Uh, any other questions before I maybe not begin uh, or? Yes, okay, there you go. <laughs> How come the being that never becomes became? 
Well, okay. I mean, you can answer that from the level of the becoming, which is an illusion, and because he didn't become it, that never did become it. That's the the final understanding. What is a dream? Does a dream is a dream real? Did it become something? If you wake up from a night dream and for you know ten minutes in clock time. You were another person in another world, another country, and, and you, were, you were having some adventure, and then you wake up. Did that really happen? Did, did, would you say, oh, I became this, uh, this mountaineer climbing a mountain in uh, India or something, and, and I fell off a cliff? or something? Did that happen? Did you become that? No. So it, from, from that perspective of I am I, nothing ever happened. But from this perspective of the dream, a tremendous learning takes place that leads us to the awe of the realization of our infinite nature. And that just allows the bliss of the real self to enter into the dream and and the magic and the miraculous and, and all of that infinite possibility now becomes fully conscious to the attentive uh, awareness that, that it has fallen into the personal state but suddenly realize the exaltation of its true nature. And there's maybe that's so awesome and beautiful that even though it doesn't really happen, it, it's worth uh, having the illusion that it happened. Yes? Okay, so just, I think it makes sense. I appreciate the conversation on free will and destiny. I feel like it's helping me a lot right now. Um, and your answers that you've given, like I feel like I understand, I can relate to, okay, like, I see if I keep doing that, um, it's the same suffering, you know, that it doesn't work. So I, I, can, I can, like, sit with, you know, like, okay, well, I know then, you know, don't do that, do something different. And so that's what you're saying. No, take it a step further. Not that I do something different, but I realize that the I from which I'm doing is false. And all the beliefs about that I, which might be negative beliefs, like I don't deserve any better, or I'm a loser, or I, I will never be loved, I don't deserve this or that. That is what you want to change. Not just what that I is doing, because that belief will in a way condition you to limitations on how you can act differently. Okay, and it, it will already create an inflection or a, a failure in the ability to change how you act because your actions are, are out of sync with what you believe you yourself to be. So change the false belief. Recognize that anything you believe about yourself is a delusion. Let that go and be in pure awareness and then what you do will automatically be loving and beautiful and the response will be blessings. Okay. Well, I guess that's kind of the maybe where I was kind of ending up because you said something in response to Durga, like not resisting destiny. Um, you said something like, okay, well, then you need to be like in acceptance, you being in acceptance of destiny that it will kind of proceed in the most benevolent way or something like that. And so it seems to me like, I guess I don't. I, I don't know, there's a fear. Like, I don't really trust that. But whose fear? Exactly. You don't trust it because you have a negative belief about yourself. Okay? And, and that negative belief has caused negative things to happen in your life. 
So unless you get to the root of that false belief, those things will continue to happen because your will is still conditioned and not completely able to use its potential freedom because it's locked into this negative belief that produces its own consequences at a subconscious level of sabotage of the best intentions at the conscious level of your mind. So you need to get rid of all the beliefs that are encrusted around the I am and, and act from that purity of awareness. The more you're able to do that, the more your actions will be spontaneously loving and beautiful and will bring back the response of a shift in, in how your world looks and how you are treated and in all of the, uh, the consequences that will lead to happiness in this life. And so you can be happy, but you can only be happy if you can have full acceptance of yourself. But you can't accept yourself if you have negative beliefs. So the more you let go of that, the, the more that, that your freedom will manifest in, in terms of goodness and happiness. Okay? Say then destiny but the destiny of the body, because the body isn't the true self, may not change. But because your values about it will change, in, in the sense that I use the example of poverty, that that frees you. I mean, Ramana had total poverty. He never had a cent, right? He threw away the last few cents he had uh, when he got to Arunachal. But uh, was he impoverished? Was it, a, was it a curse? Or was it you know, the ultimate blessing to enable him to enact what was destined to be his role? Of course. So the same thing is true for you. And if you accept all of the apparently limiting conditions as actually beautiful opportunities to lead a very simple, pure, humble, saintly, godlike life, then it's all a blessing. And, and then you will reach the destination of self-realization. And would you say you, you'll reach it faster? Because often we're thinking of destiny in this tiny little one mm-hmm. slither of lifetime. But sure. if, you, if you don't resist, you'll reach That's it right. in this lifetime yeah. as opposed to 12. Okay, and remember, destiny has a horizontal component and a vertical so the less we're concerned with the horizontal of what happens to the body in the phenomenal plane and we're interested in the destiny of our consciousness, then the more we realize we are God and the less we're even concerned uh, or even touched by what happens to the destiny of the body because you're not the body, right? So that's the destination you want to reach. You are already the infinite self. And that particular body named Tara is of no more relevance than the body named Yogi Raj. And both of them will be treated with great love. And so even though that, that the, the Tara form will be the avatar of this consciousness, but yourself will be no different from that one self that you will now perceive in everyone. And then you don't even care about destiny or it's irrelevant. No, because it's a dream. And, and the real destiny is to awaken from the dream. That should be the destination that we're aiming for. Okay. 
Is this helpful? Well, this is not too abstract. And, okay. Yes. Who awakens from the dream? Who awakens? Well, the self. Ultimately, you there's more and more of a realization. You're not the person, and then from the person, you get to the root of the I am that has lost its uh, uh, its anchoring and the I am I and therefore wants to grasp because now it's morphed into a thought and and that root thought then creates a grasping of an identity on a gross level the imaginary register which is externalized as a world so you move from the person to the root the ego thought the primal thought and then through you pierce through the level of thought to the real of the i am which realizes the i am i and that's ultimately who is uh, who is freeing itself but because the i am i was never in any of this uh nothing has changed and the final realization is okay a dream may have happened but does a dream happen? No. Nothing has actually changed. And that timeless, changeless bliss of the self is all that is or ever was or shall be. But um, when one is in the dream or believes in the dream, mm-hmm. and you said, and you've said many times, it's a choice to... Yes. That's your free will. It's your free will to make the choice uh, to realize you are the self. Who's making the choice? The chit, the aspect of chit. The ego is chit jada granti. The jada is the person. The chit is the capacity for consciousness that activates the booty that recognizes it's not the body and it's not the thoughts and then returns to its true nature. So the chit then realizes it's part of sat chit ananda and suddenly the intelligence is blissful, eternal and beyond the dream. So the booty is the, what would you say, the idea? The intelligence that's related to the real self has never lost touch with that. But how, how does the chit and the booty relate? The booty is, you could say, the instrument of chit that's activated within the person, but that gets you to realize you're not the person. So that's the agency of awakening, is the booty. But the booty reveals itself as the chit, which reveals itself as the satchit ananda. It's all one. Okay. So as it advances in its self-realization, yes. the booty realizes that's the right. chit and then the satchit. Exactly. There's deeper and deeper realizations of who and what you really are that lead to the fact that you realize, oh, I was never in that, I never had bad karma, none of this pertains to me. It's a dream and... I am not a being in the dream. I, I am untouched by the dream. And then that bliss pervades every level of consciousness. One last question. How does the booty itself awaken? How does? The booty. The booty. In the dream. <clears throat> Is it through jnana, through understanding? Well, I think it, 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 uh, if, it does, if it isn't born with an epistemophilic drive, as Sri Ramana was, which is why he could awaken early, he saw the death of his father and immediately the questions of what dies, what remains, which then led to that death experience and he realized the eternal self, right? Because that drive was already alive at, at his birth. If, that, if it doesn't happen, then you awaken through bad karma, through suffering. 
And you start crying and ask yourself, why is this happening to me? God, help me. And gradually through uh, uh, both analysis at a symbolic level of, of how you might have sabotaged yourself or were blind to certain things and therefore made decisions that weren't wise and how the ego has duped itself in whatever various ways and you awaken from it and you learn from experience and you grow to those levels of consciousness of the booty that is finally able to see, oh, this is Maya, this is real. And the more it stays consistently, continuously in the real, the more the real opens up to its infinite nature. Yes? Um, At times I recognize that my consciousness um, descends to lower states when Mm -hmm. thoughts from maybe conditioning of the world or the past arises and I become identified with the persona. Yes. And... uh, Sometimes I feel like it descends, it recognizes the presence of God beyond beyond the whole um, perceptive uh, Mm -hmm. illusion that is blocking Mm -hmm. the real, the recognition. So my question is, how come, how can one uh, remain in constant Mm -hmm. state of Mm-hmm. Uh, ascended consciousness mm-hmm. yeah. rather than yeah. falling into the sure that's exactly the question that Sri Ramana answers in this text it's by constant asking the question to whom is this descent into the lower levels of consciousness appearing right disidentify from the thought I, I think I'm in a traumatized state. I believe it. I feel the emotions of the anguish of a knot, right? But to whom is that appearing? It's, a, it's actually an object, a mental object that's then projected maybe onto the physical body and somatized. But there's an awareness to whom that appears who is not that, who, who is beyond thought. The thought appears and the the consequence at the gross level appears, but it's only an appearance in consciousness. And then you ask the question, but what is consciousness? Who am I uh, that is aware of it and and actually not it? Because it's neti neti. I can't be that which I'm aware of. That's a content of consciousness. But I am the container of that. And who am I that transcends that? And then that question can only be answered by the silencing of the thoughts that create the illusion and the feeling of a descent. And in that silence, you return to the higher vibrational level of the self. Uh, To whatever extent in time you remain silent... And the purity of the self's being uh, enables you to disidentify and loosen the knot and then realize you're free. And the longer you stay in it, the less often those descending thoughts will come because they're extinguished if you don't entertain them or believe in them. And then then it no longer happens. Okay, well... We did it. We managed to avoid my reading any of the text and uh, to be continued or started uh, again on Wednesday or whenever we can have a good fortunate opportunity uh, to do this again. I hope it was uh, felt as good fortune and uh, I appreciate all the questions actually and the, uh, the, 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 the deep clear yearning that everyone has for liberation. 
And so that alone is shifting the energy field and enabling more love to pervade uh, the community and the space which uplifts all boats and all, all beings uh, and enables us all t- to reach our highest destination in the shortest amount of the illusion of time and with the greatest amount of God's grace pulling us upward as we are climbing the mountain and we'll find ourselves levitating to those highest levels of selfhood because it is the will of God for sat-yogis to awaken now and to, to learn in an accelerated way uh, all of the truths necessary for uh, being able to, uh, to not only reach liberation, but to transmit that truth and that imminent possibility to everyone who comes. And so that's our function, and we can only fulfill it once we have... Uh, arrived at that destination ourselves. So thank you all for your willingness to go against the grain of the ego and its uh, illusory resistance and to realize your infinite beauty and love and truth here and now and awaken from the dream.